We're in a series of messages right now called A Life Written in Red. I asked a question the first weekend to help us really understand what this is about. And the question was this, who do you listen to? Because whoever we listen to, they become influences in our life to cause us to become who we become. And there's one person in particular that we should be listening to, and his name is Jesus, right? We should listen to, listen to him. And by the way, his words are written in red. Literally, if you've got a red-letter Bible, I've got one of those. And it's cool to be able to see his words just pop off the page. And it's amazing when we listen to the words of Jesus because his words can influence us. In fact, his words should be written all over us. In other words, they should cause us to become who we become as we listen to him and we follow his example. So that's a good question. Who is it that we're listening to? Whoever it is, whether it's Jesus or someone else, it's written all over us because our behaviors give it away. It's also important for us to listen to Jesus because Jesus has the answers that we need for our lives. And by looking to him and listening to him, we can discover what this life is all about. In fact, I've talked about that in the very first two weeks of this series. And I want to remind you about what we've learned because it's going to lay some groundwork for what we're going to learn about today. What we've learned is, is that we're all seekers. It's number one on your outline sheet, that we're all seekers. In other words, we're all looking for something. We all want something. So what is it that we want? We want something called hope. All of us want hope. The word hope means this. It's the feeling that what is wanted can be had. So there's something out there that I want, and I believe that I can get it. I have the hope that I'll get it in my life. What we hope for is that whatever it is that we want will bring us what we really hope for, and what we really hope for is happiness. It's the pursuit that we all have, right? We hear about it all the time. So the question is, when I get what I want, does it give me the happiness that I want? Or did I get something that I wanted, yet when I got it, I'm still not happy? See, what we think we want and what we really want can be two very different things. So what do we really want? What we really want is something called love. We want to be loved. All of us want to be loved. We want to experience love. We want to, to feel loved in our lives. I want you to think about happiness again just for a moment before I get into this in more detail because there are two different ideas out there about our feelings and what we really desire. One is that we desire happiness and another is that we desire something else. It's called joy. I've actually talked about these two things before. Happiness is temporary in nature. That means I can do something, it can make me happy, but then that happiness wears off. So I need either more of what I had or something different to cause me to be happy again. Because happiness, again, is temporary. Joy, however, is something that is sustained. It's the same type of feeling. I still feel good about my life, but it's something that doesn't end. It's something that continues on. It keeps going on. The question is, where do I find joy from? Where do I get this joy from? And the answer is in this statement. It's in what we want. 
It's what we want. Let's go back to the be loved again. If, that, thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it's in our being loved, that we desire to be loved. What does that mean? I need someone who cares about me. I need to know that someone is concerned about me, has compassion for me, that they want the very best for me. And when I feel that someone cares about me, I feel joy because I was created to experience love. It gives me joy in my life. I really do matter. I feel like I matter. But love is experienced in another way as well. It's not just that someone would care for us and show love and concern to us. It has to be a certain kind of love. It's called unconditional love. All of us can, can get conditionally love people. In other words, when people are treating us well, it's easy for us to treat them well. But when people treat us poorly, it's more difficult for us to treat others the right way and to treat them with love. There are times that we can show unconditional love, and there are times that all of us have probably shown love to people who didn't really deserve it. But I can promise you every person in this room today has at one time not shown unconditional love. And here's the reason why. Because people are jerks. Do I have a witness out there from anybody, right? They're jerks. And because they're jerks and they're mean to us, we want them to get what they deserve. I know it's not just me. We, at one point in life, have had that selfish feeling. What we need is someone who never feels that way toward us, who always shows us unconditional love. And when we receive that type of love, guess what? We feel joy. There's a third thing that we want. It is to belong. We want to belong. Why do we seek belonging? Because it's in belonging that we have relationships. All of us were created for community. All of us were created co to connect with each other. So let's just follow this. If joy comes from other people caring for me and showing concern for me and helping me to benefit me, I have to actually know other people for that to happen, right? I am so fast. My intelligence is amazing, is it not? For me to have a relationship, I've actually got to know other people. So therefore, I need to belong. But joy is two-pronged. It's not only something that I receive, love that is received from someone else, but joy also comes when love is shown toward other people. So I feel joy not only when somebody cares for me and is concerned for me, I feel joy when I show love to other people who don't deserve love. I feel joy because that's what God created me to do. That's what I am created for. I am created to make a positive impact in this world, to help the world be a better place. And by the way, the world isn't a better place until the people who aren't good become good. And we can be involved in helping bring life transformation in their life. It's to show love. And when I show that love, you know what I feel? I feel joy. It gives me joy. But how does it happen? I have to know people for that to happen. I have to have relationships with people for that to happen. I have to belong so that that can happen. In fact, me doing this in relationships is my purpose. It gives me something. It's the fourth thing that we want. We want significance. We want to feel like our lives matter. Not only that I matter, that somebody cares about me, but my life matters. What I do matters. What I live for matters. Whatever it is that we think is going to give us happiness, whatever that thing is, it might be that if I get this, I'll be happy, or if I achieve this, I'll be happy, or if I have this experience, that I'll be happy. Whatever that thing is, is the thing that I become committed to. 
I become committed to it because I believe it's going to cause me to be happy. In fact, the more committed I am to it, the more in love I am with it. I love it. I want it to happen. I'm passionate about seeing it come about in my life, to get it or to achieve it or to accomplish it. Whatever it is, that's what becomes important to me. So I become committed to it. I begin to fall in love with it. And when I fall in love with it, guess what happens? I become devoted to it. I'm devoted to getting to it. Now, the reason why this progression is so important of going from commitment to being in love with it to devotion, because devotion has everything to do with worship. Whatever I'm devoted to, I worship. That's what I want to achieve. That's what I want people to know about. And it becomes the object of my worship. I believe it's the answer for my life. Well, what happens when I achieve it? I get it, right? What happens if I get it and I'm still not happy? Then I respond in a negative way toward it. In other words, I become weary and I become burdened. Those two words are good words because there's, they're, they're good descriptions of a feeling that we have. And that feeling is called hopelessness. I want to have hope. That's where it all started. Now if I can't find significance through what I think is going to give me hope, I feel hopeless. I feel weary and burdened. And when I get in this condition where I am tired of chasing after all these things to make me happy, I am so weary over trusting in these things that don't work, that's when we open up, open up our minds and open up our ears, ears to hear the answers to what life may be all about. In other words, that's the moment that I'm willing to listen to someone else. This is what Jesus said. We've, shared, we've looked at it. The, both the, the first two weeks in this series, this is in Matthew. This is what he said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Y'all, that just gives me chills, and they're multiplying right now. It's awesome. He's the one that causes this weariness, this hopelessness in my life, it can go away. I can be at rest. In other words, I can stop chasing after all these things because I've found what life really is all about, that he's got the answers. It's really important for us to learn these things again because every person have, has these desires in our lives. That's what hope is about. It's about desire. So Jesus comes across yet another person that he has a conversation with who also has these hopes and desires. It's a woman who was at the well. I want to read the scripture to you now. It's found in John chapter 4 beginning in verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. This is Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the, by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who he is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and, and did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. Don't you hate it that Jesus knows everything? Don't you just hate that? What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and is now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. <gasps> I'd just love to see your eyes, right? What? I am he. Jesus is the one who has the answers. The theme of this message today is true worshipers. Do we truly worship God? To worship God, we have to have a relationship with God. And we have to love God the most. Because whatever we love the most, we become committed to and devoted to. And we live for. So that really was the issue for Jesus and this woman. Does she know God? And if she does know God, does she love God more than everything else? So that she truly can worship God. And really that's... Those are good questions for us today. Do we know God? Do we have a relationship with God? And if we have a relationship with God, do we really love God more than everything else? Or are, are we relying on other things in our lives to make us happy other than God? Aren't those great questions? Well, this is what Jesus wanted to do in dealing with this woman. The first thing he wanted her to know is how God feels about us. So number two on your outline sheet, I want you to write down this statement that God loves everyone. Where do we see this? Jesus had a conversation with this woman and it absolutely freaked her out. Why? Because Samaritans and Jews weren't supposed to talk to each other. That's what the scripture said. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Yet here's this man who's Jewish who is showing love to her. Now, how is he showing love to her? He's showing love to her because he's spending something for her. He's spending his time with her. He actually is giving of his time to be with her, which says, you matter. You're someone who is valuable that I'm willing to spend time with. And he spent his time words on her. He used his words to talk with her because he wanted to encourage her to show love to her. They didn't talk to each other because the Jewish people considered the Samaritan people to be evil. 
And they considered them to be evil because the Samaritans believed that the, the Jewish people, the people who followed Judaism, were following scripture that they considered to be false. I know this is really deep, but there's this, this priest named Ezra, and the Samaritans believe that Ezra falsified some things that were in the Torah, which were the scriptures of the Jewish people. So the Samaritan scriptures and the, the, the scriptures of, of the Jews were different, and the Jews had a bad attitude toward the, the, the Samaritans for doing this. How can you do this? How can you change the scripture? And one of the things that they changed actually came up in the conversation with this woman and Jesus. Because in, in uh, the, the scriptures, we see what happened and uh, how Joshua had, in the book of Joshua, had done something. At least in the Samaritan version of their scripture, Joshua had gone to a place called Mount Gerizim, and at Mount Gerizim, he had built a temple, and inside that temple, he had placed a tabernacle where they would come and worship God. So all the Samaritans believed that Mount Gerizim was the most holy place of all holy places in the world. Most holy place. In Judaism, they believed that Jerusalem was, was the most holy place in the world. Didn't we just read that in the scripture? I mean, they got in this conversation about where are we supposed to worship? Is it here or is it there? This is what we think. And it was just another sign that these people had changed what they believed God's word really was. So because of it, they thought the Samaritans were evil. That's why they didn't talk to them. They were evil. Yet here's this man, this Jewish man, who's talking to a Samaritan woman, which was something they were not supposed to do. Why? Why would he be talking to this woman? And I want to give you the answer. It's because he had it. Y'all, I'm about to get excited about this. Are you ready? He had it. You know what it was? He had unconditional love. And isn't that what we all seek? I'm not going to judge you because of who you are. Because a relationship with God is not about being associated with a group of people, or what you call yourself. It's about God loving you and you loving God. And God loves all people. If you're excited about that, say amen. amen. He loves us all. And he wanted her to get it, that that's what this was about. It's about experiencing this love. And he knew that she was lacking. What she was relying on to get love from wasn't working. Why? Because when we rely on worldly things to fill us up with love, we have an issue. I mentioned this to you in the last two weeks. This is what happens. Many people begin to worship things or begin to worship objects or worship their position in society. And the problem with all those things is none of those things love you back. None of them love you back. They don't show care and concern for you and help you. It's just... Stuff that we're trying to achieve or trying to gain within our life. And this woman was relying on things that did not fill her desire for this love. It wasn't there. So he wanted her to get it. Look at number three on your outline sheet. Let's learn more about it. God doesn't want us to be thirsty. God doesn't want us to be lacking. God doesn't want us to be unsatisfied. It's really cool that uh, Jesus had this conversation with her at this well. We, again, see in the scripture the significance of the well. Jacob actually had purchased the well and had given it to Joseph. 
It was in a place called Sychar, and the, the word Sychar, this is really interesting to me, the word Sychar means falsehood. So he's having a conversation with this woman about what true worship is in a place called falsehood. Because we fall for things that are false. We begin to believe things that are not true. And she had fallen for things in her own life that were not true. She didn't really have a relationship with God. She really didn't love God more than all else. What she loved, what she was living for, had a problem. What she lived for didn't satisfy her. Let's write this statement down about this. We consume things that don't satisfy. We bring things into our life that don't satisfy. I love the illustration of the well and the water. And you're going to drink water that will uh, satisfy you. That's what we need in our life. Why is that? Because we drink things. We bring things into our life that don't satisfy. Let's get back to the happiness. We believe it's going to make us happy. We get it. It makes us happy for a while, and then we lose our happiness. And we need our thirst to be quenched again. We thirst. I heard this morning that this whole idea of thirsting is a real big part of language and culture, especially in urban areas now, about talking about people who are thirsting. They thirst. They're still looking for something. They're looking for something in their life, something that's going to make them happy. And that's what was going on with this woman. What causes us to thirst? We begin to believe the wrong things. We begin to believe in worldly things. And this is the worldly belief. The worldly belief that we fall into, I sound like a broken record because I've talked about it the last two weeks, but this is it. The worldly belief is that happiness comes from what I get. That's what my life is all about. It's about what I get. If I get appreciation, then I will be happy. If I get acclaim, if I get to win the game, I'll get happiness that I want. If I get beauty and the attention that comes with my beauty, then I'll be happy. If I get something that will make me feel good, some substance that I can consume like alcohol or drugs that will make me feel good, it will make me happy if I get this. If I get more money, if I get a bigger house, if I get a nicer car or a bigger boat, if I get these things, I will be happy. And we get it and we're happy. And then the happiness begins to go away and we need something else to quench our thirst. We're thirsty. And she was thirsty. We're longing and wanting for all of these things. If I get physical intimacy, if I can have relationships like that where we can have physically intimate moments, if I can experience that euphoria, then I'll be happy. If I get a new husband, oh my soul, I'll be happy. Now we're getting personal with a woman at the well. Now we're seeing something is going on with who she is. We need what really brings us happiness. Why did it not bring happiness? Because we long to be loved. We need something to love us back. And we need someone to love us unconditionally. And when they don't meet those two criteria, it never, ever works. This is why Jesus said this uh, to the woman 
about the Samaritans. He said this, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. What did they worship? They were worshiping things that did not love them back. They were worshiping things of the world that did not love them unconditionally. He's saying, look, we worship a God who loves us back and who loves us no matter who we are. If you're excited about that, say amen. That's the God that we love. That's the God that we know and that we belong to, that we have a relationship with. He's the one who fills this desire. She had tasted things that weren't satisfying. I don't know everything. I don't know if she had a thing for material possessions. I don't know if she had a thing for making some position in society where people would see her in a certain way. All we know is about the husband situation. And I got a feeling something was going wrong with the husband situation. Now it doesn't say why she had five different husbands. So me and Tim's sanctified imagination thought, well, let's think about what are some possibilities. One possibility is this, that she wanted the feeling of that physical intimacy with people, and maybe she just got bored with this guy and went on to the next one. Time and time and time. Y'all, those kind of relationships begin to dominate some people, and that's what they live for. This is true. It might be, however, this. It might be that she hoped the person that she married would give her unconditional love, and they didn't. So she went to the next to try to find it, and they didn't. And she went to the next to try to find it, and they didn't. And she went to the next and next and never found what she was looking for because humans are incapable all the time of giving unconditional love. Y'all, she's thirsty. She needs to be quenched. Are you thirsty? Are you living for things that are not satisfying you? Are you living for things that are not loving you back or don't love you unconditionally like God loves you unconditionally? Is that you? Because all of us can fall into the same situation. Jennifer and I, one of our favorite authors, his name is Tim Keller, and he, he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Huge loss in the Christian community. A magnificent author, pastor, he pastored a church, Redeemer, a church in New York City, and just incredible, incredible guy. Had cancer and passed away. And one of the reasons why she and I like him so much is because he is really good about being able to talk to very intellectual people who are skeptics about God, to talk to them about the reality of God and why we should believe in God. That's the reason why. I just, it just rocks my world to hear that because we face people like this all the time in our world. He, uh, he did uh, a speech, and he does this at secular universities. Now, this is really cool about him. Other people will invite him to come that are secular to talk about these things, to defend whatever he believes, so maybe it can go against what other people believe. In Hong Kong, Hong Kong University asked him to come and to give a speech and the speech, I love it, was on hope. About why do we find our hope in God? Secular university. So in this talk, he begins to talk about hope and what it is. And that hope really has to do with our desires. It's what we long for in our life. It's what I've shared with you earlier. It's what we've talked about. It's about desire. But he said this, that societies, cultures are built on hope. Whatever the people of a, of a society put their hope on, that's what affects their culture and who they are, who they become. 
So he said in the 18th century there uh, in, in America, and he focuses attention mostly in America, he said in America, 18th century, we placed our hope in God. So what we did is we allowed spirituality to have an effect on our culture. 18th century, very strong spiritual group of people within our nation. Then he said in the 19th century, things changed. We put our hope in nation and who we are as citizens of our country because wars began to crop up and we took pride in our nation. So now we took our hope and placed our hope in who we were collectively together as a people and what we could do together as a people, as a nation. And then he said in the 20th century, we have placed our hope in self. He said now what we're placing our hope in is in the individual. So individualism has become the foundation of our culture. And he said, here's the problem with self and individualism. You can't build a strong community. You can't build a strong culture on the individual because we need each other. It can't be all about what we get. It has to be what we're doing for other people to help other people be better. Y'all, is that not strong right there or what? That is so strong. And we just look in our society right now, individualism, we see it all over the place. And it might be that we've fallen into that that trap ourselves. So then what he does is he talks about there are different categories that people fall in. By the way, I'm not going to get to number four, so just, okay, get over it. All right, please. I'm just helping you because you're thinking he's never going to finish. I'm I'm helping you. I'm a nice guy, right? That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, So anyway, I am going to get through this part of it. so he says you're in, in different categories. So let me give you the categories that he shared. Category A are people who think it, and what it is, is satisfaction of your deepest desires. In other words, whatever you believe is going to make you happy, whatever is going to give you your deepest desires, okay? People who think it, satisfaction of your deepest desires, is still out there in things. So... This it becomes our God. We become committed to it. We fall in love with it because we believe it's the answer to our life. We're passionate about it, and we're devoted to getting it. But they haven't gotten it yet. And he said there are two groups of people that are in this category. One is typically younger people, and he was speaking at a university, which was interesting that he talked about this, and there was some humor related to that. But um, he talked about a lot of young people do this because they say, it is, you know, getting the big job or getting the big house or getting these things. We don't have it yet because we're young. We believe it's going to come in the future. So our life is about keeping working toward getting what we're going to get. Eventually it's going to come. Young people, right? Not all people are young who feel that way, but young people, a lot of people are that way. He said there's another group of people who usually are older people. They're people who never got it. They keep trying to get it, but they never get it. And what they feel like is they feel like failures. I feel like a failure because I keep trying to get the job. I can't get the job. I keep trying to get the bigger bigger house. I can't seem to make enough money to get the bigger house. I can't get it, and they feel like failures. Or he said in this category or in this group of people, he said they either feel like failures or they're bitter toward people that they feel like got in their way to keep them from getting it. Y'all, is this getting real today or what? Isn't that how we feel? You know what they all feel like? I love it when things come together. They're weary and they're burdened. Aren't they? Second category, category B. 
this, he called them these categories, okay? So category B, people who got it, but it wasn't the thing. So they actually got what they said was going to make them happy. They got it, but it didn't make them happy. It didn't give them the desires that they really thought that they were going to experience. Now, he said that there are people, there are different groups of people in this category. One, he referred to C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is the great Christian author. He wrote Mere Christianity. Um, but he said C.S. Lewis calls one group of people on this. He calls them fools, right? And the reason why he calls them fools is he says this. They say, I guess I need, I guess I need another set of things. I got the money, I need more money. I got the job, I need a better job. I got the wife, I need a better wife, right? I got it, but I just need more of it or I need a better version of it. There's another group within this category, which are the spiritual, spiritualizing, spiritualizing group. And the spiritualizing group say this, I tried to get it through material things and material things don't work. They don't love us back, Right? They don't work, so therefore, I'm going to get it in another way. So I'm going to start serving, and I start doing things to help other people because it's going to make me feel better about my life to do good things for other people. But, he said, even those people who help other people still are lacking. Why? Because I want you to stay with it. You're thinking, well, why? Because we're supposed to do that. Y'all stay with me? Y'all, this is deep. Are you staying with me? This is deep. There are two parts of joy. One part of joy is to show love toward other people and serve them to help their life be better. That's what they do in their spiritualizing, to try to help other people be better. But there's another part of joy. We need someone to care for us. We need somebody that cares about us and loves us unconditionally. And our serving other people does not fulfill that need that we have in our life. So they're still lacking. There's another group in this category. Uh, he calls them the despairing people. These are the people who get it, but they're miserable, and they hurt themselves or harm themselves and even get to the place of taking their own lives. And then he mentioned one other group. He called them the hardened people. He said, they say there is no it. These deep desires are just illusions. They become more condescending. You become cynical and sophisticated. You become self-righteous and become a snob. Let's remember where these things, these desires come from. They come from God. God gives us these desires. So if I say these desires are not true, it's another way of me saying there is no God. And when you think about atheists, do these descriptions not sound like people who are atheists who don't believe in God in many, many times? They're intellectual. They're snobs. They're sophisticated. They're cynical of other people because they don't believe in these things. The woman at the well is in category B. She got it, but it wasn't what she thought was going to be the answer for her life. Category C. Y'all, this one's really... I, I'm almost done, all right? Category C, people who escape through story. This is weird, okay? I, I love it, though, because it's so interesting. He, he said, there are some people, because you're not getting it in your own life, you're trying to escape your own life, so you escape into the stories of others' lives. Created fictional stories. You love to go to the movies. You like to read fictional books. You like to read these things because in these books, they have these ideas that are in the books that are fascinating and cause you to disconnect with your own life and get connected into their world. 
One of the people who is so successful at writing books like this and stories like this is a guy named J.R. Tolkien. Any of y'all heard of him? Lord of the Rings? He's a believer. He's a Christian. J.L. Tolkien wrote an essay. The essay was called On Fairy Stories. That's the name of the essay. And what he said was, we'll never get past our desire for fantasy fiction that we want. Why? Because they escape fantasy fiction. They escape death in the stories. They escape death. They step outside of time. They have interaction with intellectual beings that aren't human. And they have love that they never ever lose. And they experience a world where evil is defeated by good. He went on and say this, that there's something consoling about stories that include these themes. We're fascinated by them. Why? Because we want those things. This is what the human heart desires. What do we desire? We want to escape death. We want to step outside of time and to live for eternity. We want to interact with an intellectual being that is not human, whom we could consider to be God. We want a love that doesn't end because it's love that comes to us unconditionally, no matter what we do. We want it. We desire it. We want Good to overcome evil, and it does overcome evil when we do good in the face of evil. The only way evil changes is if evil changes through people showing goodness to people to change their hearts. Here's, this is so cool to me. He, Tolkien, and C.S. Lewis were both professors at Oxford at the same time. So, C.S. Lewis is not a believer at this time. He gets in a conversation with Tolkien and talks to him about how, you know, all these fables and all these stories, how there's really no hope in them. And Tolkien responded back to him to say, but you're wrong. There is hope because all of these things that are in these fables are not fiction. They're reality. They're the things that we desire. They're the things that we hope for. We hope for eternity. And when we find it, let's write something down, because I know you're just dying to. We can find who quenches our thirst. We find the person who loves us back. We find the person who loves us, even though we're not very lovable, because he cares about us. So I want to ask you today, are you thirsty? Have you been relying on things for your happiness and it seems like I get it and it just goes away and I keep looking for something else or something different or something more? What we really long for is to know someone who cares about us because we matter. To matter so much that he would be willing to give his very life to die on the cross for the things that we do wrong. So that we could be forgiven. This is on the, the outline. I, I'm not going to pull it up. You know. But in, in the very first week. It, what happens with this, this girl. She says. Hey we know the Messiah is going to come. He's going to tell us about all this. And Jesus says I am he. Who is he? We learned it the very first week. Remember John the Baptist was uh, at, uh, he was baptizing down at the river. And he was talking about the Messiah to come. And all of a sudden Jesus shows up. 
And then actually, let's show that scripture. I think that, that we can find the scripture. It, it talks about, look, the Son of Man. It, it's, it's, there it is. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The reason for the Messiah was to take away the sin of the world. The reason for the Messiah was to take away this woman's sin that was revealed through all of these relationships to help her say, I still love you and I want a relationship with you and your life matters. We all have sin because we're imperfect. Aren't you glad that Jesus died for all of our sins? And he died for yours. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. It might be that you don't have a relationship with him. And I want to invite you to begin that relationship. The Bible says if we call on the name of the Lord, talking about the Lord Jesus, that we'll be saved. From what? A life of separation from God where we don't have a relationship with him. A life without meaning where we're trying to find things that make us happy that never do and we wind up thirsty again. That's what he saves us from. We do it through prayer. And we do it by accepting what Jesus did to remove our sins. Something has to die for our sins. Something, some punishment has to take place for the things that we do wrong. And Jesus died to take that punishment that we deserve for our sin. What we must do is accept what he did for us. And to do it, we have to believe we have sin. To believe that Jesus did it for us. And to accept what he did for us. So I want to help you do it by praying right now. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need Jesus in your heart, I want to invite you to pray this prayer just silently. Just pray this. Dear God, I know you love me. And I don't deserve it. Thank you for loving. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for wanting me. I'm sorry for the things that I do wrong. I've sinned. I've lived for the wrong things. I know you sent Jesus to die on the cross to take my punishment for me. And right now, I accept you, Jesus, and what you did for me so that I can be forgiven. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. And I commit to listen to you so that your words can be written all over me. So that I can become love as you were loved. If you just prayed that minute with your heart, God says yes to you. We'd love to encourage you in your spiritual walk. We have a Bible we'd love to give you. Back in the corner, to my right, to your left, there's two big banners. They say the journey begins. We've got some of our, our, uh, our volunteers back there. They'd love to, to talk with you, answer any questions you may have about this, or just encourage you and pray for you. They want to give you a Bible to, so you'll have something to help you in your spiritual journey as you listen to what Jesus has to say for you. If it's, if it's better for you to stop by the guest information center out in the lobby to pick one up, they have Bibles out there for you as well. But if you need to talk with someone, we really encourage you to, to head back uh, over here where our banners are. We'd love to encourage you in this. It might be that you have some other spiritual situation in your life that you want help with. It might be that you want to be baptized or you want to become a part of our, our body of believers here to join with us in our ministry. They'd love to help you in any way they can in that. It might be today that 
that you just need prayer for something else. It might be that you're a Christian, but the truth is you're, you've received God's love. You have. You've given your life to Christ, but you have begun living for what you get and not what you get and, and, and not what you give, and you've just, you're miserable because you're living for the wrong things. And maybe God is opening your mind and your heart to that today to commit to live for the right things. And that is to remember his love for us and to show that love to other people. So I'd encourage you to pray for that. It might be you have some other type of needs. Our staff are down here in the front, right on the floor level, right in front of the stage. If you need somebody to pray for you, they'd love to pray for you. Whatever it is God wants you to do, let's do it now. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. You come as God leads you. God, I pray that we would be true worshipers. That we would worship you in spirit and truth. That you live within us. God, that we've been forgiven. And God, that you truly are the one we love the most. So God, I pray that you would be our heart's desire. That we'd be committed to you. I pray that we would fall in love with you more this week. And be devoted, God, to you to express who you are to other people so that we can bring change into this world. God, may we be people in this generation, in this century, God, may we become the people who have their hope in your love and that our culture would be defined through sacrifice that we would give of ourselves for the good of humanity so that people may know you. Thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next weekend.